This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of delicious craft beer in beautiful Lacombe, Alberta. Say hi to Hans, or are we sure it's not Hans? Hans? of podcast episodes were the numerical designation for the world's largest floating iceberg, which calved off the Falkner-Ron ice shelf in Antarctica. You'd know this has to be episode 76 of The Harmonious Gentleman. The name of the... What's the connection of 76? It's called A76. That's how they designated this chunk of ice. You also said some words in the middle there that kind of got lost. Yeah, so it just broke off of the Falkner-Ron ice shelf in Antarctica. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I thought you guys knew that part, but... (laughs) Anyway, oh, that ice shelf. <laughs> yeah, it's 4,200 square kilometers. Wow. The biggest iceberg wow. in the world. It broke off a year ago, and it's still floating around. Probably a little smaller now. Are there teams of scientists who track these? Like, are they in boats next to them? or This know? one they found out through satellite imaging, and there's a crazy animation online if you want to check it out. So if you Google A76, it'll come right up, and it'll show this piece of ice just in a consecutive pictures breaking off. It's hard to get the scale, but then they compare it. It's as big as the island of Majorca in Spain. So it's a large piece is it, of ice. Is the breaking off of it an indication of our impending doom? I didn't read too much into it because okay. it was too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy I found something that had the number 76 in it, to be honest. Well, I'm Graham. Yeah, I'm Tyler. I'm Chris. And I'm Dason. Hey, Dason. Yeah, fourth Welcome voice to today. Yeah. Feels good to have a guest live in person. Yeah. We are actually on location, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are we, Ty? We are in Airdrie, mm-hmm. Alberta. Yeah. At Angry Bear Growlers. Yeah. Never been here before, but oh. so far so good. Yeah. I'm having a pumpkin pie milkshake IPA. I'm having the Hard Knocks Wild Sessions Nipa, and it's delicious. Yeah, I'm also not having a blind man beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a Snake Lake Kinnebic Pilsner. What about you, Dason? Yeah, I think I've got a Snake Lake uh, Sour. It's the Fieldberry. It's nice. pretty good. Okay. Our next round will be all blind men. Yeah. yeah. Which are on tap, yeah. rotating taps here at Angry Bear Growlers in Airdrie. Speaking of blind men, uh, we, we were at the anniversary party last weekend, their seventh year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Super fun. Mm-hmm. My wife and I got to play some music, and we met some other musicians slash podcaster people and made some good connections. Yeah, that's a cool connection. Yeah. Yeah, I thought your band was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And I now follow you on Instagram, so shout out to... Uh, the fine print. <laughs> Shoot. I wish you I knew what we were called. Uh, <laughs> so no, my the niece was saying I, I've never gotten to see you guys play, and I was like, "Well, we've done two gigs, so it's okay." Yeah, yeah. Probably so it's a more really coming. special experience. Mm-hmm. We get to. Yeah. Well, hopefully, if we play some more gigs, I'll plug it on the show. But yeah, yeah. Go ahead and follow if you want to. The yeah. fine print. The fine print, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's get to um, our episode here, guys, because yeah. it's awesome to have Dason here. Um, we haven't even mentioned why he's here, and let's hold off on that for a okay. second. But he's going to share a story with us, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But first, we got to talk about other stuff. This is only the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> These recommendations are brought to you by Cilantro and Chai, spreading the love while serving up mouth-watering dishes and good times. I'm going to recommend music, and I know I've done that quite a bit lately, it mm-hmm. feels like. And I'm actually going to recommend... Um, indie rap music, which I've also done in the past. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to recommend a collaboration between two artists that I've recommended in the past. Oh, I hope it's Sandman. It's 
Homeboy Sandman mm-hmm. and Aesop Rock together oh, as lice. Oh. Lice, like the head parasite. Yeah. And they just, they've been making music for a few years. They just have a few EPs, but they re-released them all to streaming services. And that was just in the last month or so. So if you like indie rap music, Homeboy Sandman or Aesop Rock, check it out. Just really intellectual, articulate, clever rap. Yeah, I'm not a huge rap fan, but you've shown me them in the past and it's Mm -hmm. very, very impressive and Really fun yeah. to listen to. Yeah. So if even like one listener yeah. checks out Lice. Yeah. Or maybe you're sitting skipping 15 seconds ahead right now. Yeah. Like oh, Tyler cool. and music. <laughs> Skip. No. Thanks, you man. should listen to it and you should listen to it at the gym. That's where I listen to your recommendations. And I use the new app called Caliber, which I heard about from Reddit. It's a free app to use at the gym that tracks your workouts and gives you strength scores and is really, really thorough. Um, videos for all the workouts and all the exercises, and uh, really good at tracking your progress. It's called Caliber, C-A-L-I-B-E-R, and I'd highly recommend that app if you're going to the gym. Is it totally free? Totally free. Mm -hmm. I think if you want to sign up for personal training with them, there's some way you can give the money, but every the functionality of the app is really, really good, and it's all free. Nice. Well, I'm going to recommend Angry Bear Growlers, officially recommended. Mm -hmm. We talked about it earlier, but we're hanging out there today, and it's... Yeah, we're going to try lots of beer, and they've been really nice to us. So um, if you're in Airdrie, check it out. Lots of beer. Yeah. Jason. Okay, so I'm going to recommend uh, an author. I'm kind of a fantasy novel nerd myself. My mom got me into it when I was a kid. I was reading, like, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I don't know. We were talking a little bit about the uh, news. Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so my one of my favorite authors, anyway, his name is Brandon Sanderson. He... Uh, teaches out at BYU in Utah, um, but he's got tons of books, uh, really good quality. I really enjoy like the magic systems. They're different than what you'd expect from a lot of books, kind of in the same genre. So yeah, Brandon Sanderson, Mormon guy. Yeah, and anything he's written, hey? Like I think my wife's reading the Stormlight Archive, that was called. Yeah. She's reading the giant books. Yeah, oh yeah, they're she all huge. Um, I really enjoyed Mistborn of his. Uh, he's, it's just a crazy different magic system oh. that you would think wouldn't work, but mm. it really does. It's really cool. Nice. So that's another one I cool. really liked. And he finished the Wheel of Time, did he not? He did. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And we're taking bets on because the Game of Thrones. Yeah, I was going to say, because <laughs> I got a project for him. <laughs> but he, from what I've heard, like he just is such a prolific writer. Like he, The output is incredible. Well, and then you get people like, you know, uh, what's his name? The guy that wrote Game of Thrones. Yeah, oh, George R. Martin. Martin. George R. R. Martin, yeah. And he goes 10 years between books, and right. all of his fans are upset. And where Brandon Sanderson, he, he gets through his books, and, and he writes quite a bit. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dason. Um, so Dason is here joining the gentleman, um, and he was going to share a story with us. Um, Dason, why don't you just tell us briefly about why you're on the podcast and what you're going to talk about today? Uh, well, in a nutshell, I guess I used to be Mormon, mm-hmm. and I stepped away from that, and um, just kind of navigating life after that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a little breath and we'll get into it. Thanks for being here. Thanks. This harmonious conversation is brought to you by 5024 General Store. Skateboards, coffee, community. Visit them online or in beautiful downtown Lacombe. So, Jason, thanks for your recommendation. Um, it may challenge for the nerdiest recommendation we've ever had on this podcast. 
<laughs> I'm open about my nerdyism. I'm okay with yeah, that. You need to meet our friend Peter. Yeah. Um, you guys should get along. Um, another thing about Dason is he has an amazing tattoo or series of tattoos on his arm. And something else about Dason, as you've already heard, is that he used to be Mormon. Is that the way to say it? Used uh, to be Mormon? Yeah. I mean, the church itself doesn't like to be called Mormons anymore. They're kind of moving away from that. So the okay. full name of the church is actually the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. I'm going back to my missionary days like I just felt like I'm preaching to you guys right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Well, that's um, great. We're pretty, yeah, we need to be informed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's so, why we're here. Yeah. So you would say you're an, you're no longer a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Well, I don't have a problem with the term Mormon. The, oh, I <laughs> the people in the church just don't like it as much. Okay. But yeah, a lot of people that leave would call themselves ex-Mormon mm-hmm. or former Mormon or something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. So you sound like you know quite a bit about the history of the Church of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Um, yeah. And I... I'm going to do a bit of a humble brag here. Um, I've researched probably without being, you know, facetious or exaggerating, like hundreds of hours into, and, and it's true. It's more the little known facts about the history of the Mormon church. Um, I'm sure there are people in the church that know a whole lot more about the faithful aspects of it all. And, you know, the positive things where, you know, I do know those things as well, but I've, I've done a bit of a deep dive into mm-hmm. the stuff that most members of the church wouldn't know and that was post uh, or, or were you pretty interested during in yeah um that that was kind of what started it off in a lot of ways cool you want to give just for our listeners just a kind of a brief i know there's probably a lot it's a very rich history it goes back a couple hundred years but just a brief history of the mormon church yeah so i mean i guess the coles notes version is uh the the individual that started the church his name was joseph smith and Man, I'm really getting that missionary vibe. Anyways, okay? moving forward. <laughs> um, he, he was born in the early 1800s, so 1805 in Vermont. He soon after moved to upstate New York. And at that time and in that area, was it was called the Burnt Over District because there were religious revivals happening everywhere, over and over and over. People would be preaching. And it caused a lot of... Um, contention at the time you know you got the methodists over here where they're like well this is what's important this is what's true you should join us you got the presbyterians there and they're saying the same things and so there was a lot of religious confusion he was he was interested in religion from a pretty young age so did he grow up in one of those denominations um his family were actually pretty uh they didn't agree on religion. I think some of his family were part of one, some of his family were part of another. Uh, I think his, his dad was a bit more of a, a, a skeptic or more of a universalist where it's like, eh, it doesn't matter what you do. It's, it's all fine. Um, but they did have disagreements in their family about what was right, what they should be doing. He talks about how when he was around 14 years old, he was having these questions in his mind, you know, what do I do? What does God want me to do? Um, and so he said that he went out into a grove of trees and he prayed. And as he was praying, I wonder if I can still quote it. So there's, this would be awesome if I could. So (laughs) there's kind of a line that missionaries give people when they're talking to them about this. And it's called Joseph Smith's first vision. And I'm going to try to remember it, but he says, I saw a pillar of light exactly above my head, uh, or exactly over my head above the brightness of the sun. 
and it slowly descended until it fell upon me. And when it fell upon me, I saw two personages whose brightness and glory defy all description standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, Joseph, this is my beloved son, hear him. Wow. That was close. That wasn't a perfect yeah. quotation, wow. but <laughs> we'll get it to you. Along yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but essentially, he went out and he prayed, you know, what is it that I should do? And he, he says that God and, and Jesus separately uh, appeared to him and uh, told him essentially not to join any of the churches. They had gone astray from the true religion and how he would be given further instruction at a, at a later time for what to do. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> How many times did you quote that, do you think? Oh, man. Probably just about every time yeah. I met with a new person. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the first, the first things you talk about. So, so that was kind of the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, he spent a, a period of time after that, uh, just kind of doing his own thing. But then one night he's praying and he said an angel came to him and the name of the angel was Moroni. And he said that Moroni told him about a book that was written on gold plates that was deposited in a hill close to his house uh, and how that is what contained the Book of Mormon. And so his first calling was to go find these plates to be worthy of going to get the plates and then to bring them home, translate them, and then this was going to be a new book of scripture comparable to the Bible. Right. How old is he when this happens? Um, so when when so he shortly after his original vision, yeah. So when he had that first vision, or when he says he did, he was fourteen. Um, I believe it was three years later when Moroni came to him, the angel. Um, and is he, he telling people this, like? As he goes, is he talking to his family or gaining followers or converts? Or uh, Eventually. Um, that's one of the things that the history says a little bit different than how he describes it. Um, he said that when he had that vision of God coming, that he went and told everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was spreading that As around. As he would if, yeah. Yeah, I saw God. I just yeah, found yeah. out that the it's Trinity, you know, the Trinity's wrong. Like, they're separate individuals. Yeah. So he, he said that he told a bunch of people there was specifically a preacher who told him, you know, you're, you're going to hell. This wasn't real. He said he was persecuted mercilessly for it. But the interesting thing to me anyway, is that we don't hear this story for over a decade after it supposedly happened. Mm. Um, and it changes his story kind of changes over time between when he tells it in 19 or 1834 to 38 to 42, uh, it kind of evolves. So he says that he's telling people, but there's not really good evidence that he's telling people. Although, when the angel Moroni came to him, he did say that, yes, I've got this book that I'm going to translate. That was, at the time, contemporaneously, it was, that was kind of the starting point for Mormonism, was this book. Which he found in the hill. Apparently he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Otherwise, there wouldn't be much to talk about. It's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he, he went and tried to get the plates four, four times. On the fourth, I believe, it was, he was successful. Mm. He went year every year. And uh, is he being stopped by like, beings, or it's just they're hard to find in the hill? <sighs> it's, so the, the church would say that it was the angel Moroni said that he's teaching him. He's preparing him mm. to get these plates, preparing him for this work. I don't know how much to get into here because this is kind of that deeper yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, you can go for it. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so 
it actually goes back into a lot of uh, treasure dig- digging and occult magical practices where the early recollections of him meeting up with this angel sounds really similar to like treasure spirits where they're guarding a treasure and Joseph Smith actually did engage in treasure digging with peep stones um, before all of this. Yeah, I was going to ask because there, there are some accounts of him before this and yeah. The, my only context is a couple of Netflix shows and Under the Banner of Heaven, the book. That's my whole, entire understanding. <laughs> so it's lining up for, for the most part. I, but there was some stuff about earlier in his life. And what's that? Like a peep yeah. stone is just a way to find treasure, like water witching. It's like pretty much a, uh, really similar anyway. Um, so you'd get a stone and, and it, it, it had to be a particular stone because it was the stone itself that had power. So not everybody could just go, oh, here's a rock. I'm going to use it. It would have to be like, oh, I found one of those peep stones, those seer stones. But that's one of the ways that he um, would try and make money for his family because they were very poor. So he would say, oh, I've got this seer stone. I can find treasure. Pay for me to go look. And he would say things like, you know, oh, we were almost there, but then we did something wrong. And the treasure sunk deeper into the earth, so we can't get it. I'm sorry, guys. And that was kind of his M.O., where with Moroni, it was kind of the same, where he had to go on a specific night. I believe it was the autumnal equinox. So, again, a very important date for coming up for magic. Yeah. Only a few days uh, away. Yeah. So, he would go and he would kind of find that, oh, I did the wrong thing, which is very, again, that magical practice. But after the mm. four years, he did get the plates. He tells a story of he's got these gold plates. And you can imagine, like, you know, any significant amount of gold is going to be really, really heavy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he said he got these things and there were people and I don't know that he would actually say who they were, but they were probably people from his old treasure digging companies who was like, you actually found some treasure. We need a part of this. What are you doing not sharing it with us? Mm-hmm. So he says that he had these plates and he ran, I don't even know how far, but a good distance carrying, the plates. carrying these plates yeah. and, <laughs> and enough plates to transcribe the whole book of Mormon on. Yeah. And fighting off these guys that are after him. Wow. And he's actually got a, a bum leg from an injury from when he was a kid. So it's just, it sounds fantastical. Well, and yeah. also t- like, did anyone ever, ever see the plates? Another interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a missionary, I would teach people that there were, uh, special witnesses that got to see the plates. Mm. Um, so there were three witnesses that mm. said, like an angel brought these plates and showed them to us, and we heard the voice of God saying this was true, this was something you needed to follow. And then there were eight other witnesses who were all part of his extended family who said, we saw the plates, we hefted them. But there's differing accounts of people saying, well, I didn't see them with my physical eyes, I saw them with my spiritual eyes. Mm-hmm. So they would say things like, I saw it as if I saw a city, a city through a mountain or something. So they talk about it being a very spiritual, mm-hmm. visionary experience where the church teaches it as no, an angel came to these people or and they actually like a glimpse of it. Kind of. Yeah. Or they actually held the plates where those eight, they didn't say anything miraculous happened, mm-hmm. but there's also conflicting stories that they only saw it under a cloth or things like that. So okay. not really clear what was going on there. So meanwhile, he's got these gold plates that are like written in English that he just reads the Book of Mormon off of? Well, they, I feel like I got to give a little bit more history. So <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the Book of Mormon, where we're eventually going, I guess, is he talks about it was people that were in Jerusalem 
uh, around the time of Jeremiah. So it was right before Jerusalem is plundered and destroyed. Um, so a man named Lehi and his family, they're warned by God because he was a righteous man. He's a prophet. You got to leave Jerusalem. This bad thing's going to happen. I'm going to take you to a land that I prepared for you. And this is going to be like your paradise. This is going to be essentially it's only people who I lead to this land can get here. Okay. So him and his family go from Jerusalem. They build boats. Uh, this is around the it's like time. 2,500 years before Christ kind of thing? Uh, this is around the time years? of 600, 500 years before. Okay. Which, I mean, trans-oceanic Like they have travel. sails for their boats and they have... Well, again, questionable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like trans-oceanic travel was not heard of. It was not possible. Yeah. Uh, and the amount that it would take to build a boat that could make it, you know, you've got to have like metal nails. So you have to smith metal, all this stuff. So they eventually make it to the American continent. Um, there's debate about where, um, but they talk about how they spread from the north to the south. So essentially over all of North and South America. Um, so the Native Americans, the First Nations people are descendants of people from Jerusalem is what the church used to teach. Okay. Yeah. And isn't there something about like they weren't followers anymore? Yeah. So they... <clears throat> To, to answer your question before, is is the gold plates were written in Reformed Egyptian. So they talk okay. about, we, we speak in the language of the Hebrews, because they're from Jerusalem, but they wrote in the language of the Egyptians because the, the idea is we can write a whole bunch more on plates, which you have to engrave, and more will fit rather than Hebrew, um, which was a common belief at the time where one symbol could be paragraphs of information, one symbol of Egyptian uh, which later on was found to be not accurate. But yes, so these people who were Jews came to the Americas. There was kind of a split between the ones that were righteous and mm. continued following what they should and the ones that broke away from God. So the ones that were righteous were called Nephites, and the ones that were not righteous were called Lamanites. So one of the brothers that came with Lehi, this first prophet, was Nephi. He was the righteous one. Uh, and another was Laman. He was the one that wasn't. Um, so over the course of time, the Nephites and the Lamanites spread out over all of North and South America. Some of them righteous, believing in God. Some of them not. Uh, they talk about it. They were like lazy savages, like all those stereotypes from back then. Um, but they had wars, they, they had weapons, they had building strategy, cities, building, yeah, yeah, all over. So at one point, the church taught that things like um, Chichen Itza and things like that, the temples that are in Mexico and Peru and, and whatnot. The were, Incas and the Mayans oh, are all these yeah, people. Yeah. Oh. So Basically, no civilization here before at all, whatsoever. Yeah, it was. That's it literally was, the first human being. It was clean. Well, there was another group that got brought around 2000 oh, BC, okay. and uh, they were called the Jaredites. So there were two okay. or three migrations, but the idea is that all of these migrations were captured in the Book of Mormon, hmm. and God brought these people yeah. there. So all of this history is introduced to Joseph Smith. In when was that? In 18. 18- well, Joseph started dictating, translating, whatever you want to call it. He started writing down the Book of Mormon, 1828, I believe. Okay. And so, like, 1827? 
a new historical narrative that well, mm-hmm. like stands apart from any other because there's other historical documents and things happening i'm assuming early 1800s and this is just like brand new from joseph smith uh, the book of mormon was brand new yeah but the idea that the native americans descended from white people who were really ad- really advanced that was a common belief that was around at the time. Oh, okay. oh okay. yeah so that wasn't in on the That's tablets uh, which sorry like which the part about um indigenous people well, the, the, again, that idea is that were written on the tablets that became the Book of Mormon is that those, the, all of the descendants of the Native Americans were Book of Mormon people. Yeah, it was part people. of his narrative, but, I just, yeah. but that wasn't but like it a might novel. Have, it might have lined up with what other people were teaching, okay. too, at the time. Yeah, yeah. so the, the idea with the changing of the skin color is that the righteous people, they came over from Jerusalem and they were white. And that's a really big theme in Mormonism is, is like, I'm going to take a step back for a second, the Lamanites who are not righteous— rebelled against God, and, and God cursed them with a skin of blackness. Gave them a mark. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea was, and it even says in the Book of Mormon, the idea was, was to make them unenticing to the righteous white Nephites so that they wouldn't mix their seed because the curse would then be transferred to their wow. children as well. Holy shit. <laughs> That's out there. <laughs> Is this all, like, they're open about this, the modern church? Like, they'll talk about this if you go... Talk to a missionary, like, oh yeah. Missionaries wouldn't be open about this, yeah. no. Uh, they would know. They would know. Some. Okay. Uh, missionaries, like I was 19 when I went on my mission. I went for two years. I'm, maybe we'll get to that. I'm sure we will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you are a 19-year-old kid. Now it's 18 that they can leave mm-hmm. straight out of high school. So they go to a missionary training center. They're trained for three weeks, and essentially it's just they get training from a book. Like, this is how you teach these mm-hmm. lessons to get people to be Here's baptized. Your talking points. Very, yeah. yeah, exactly. But has the church changed any? Maybe this is going to come up. But those talking points, have, has the theology or the, the background information evolved at all? A lot. Okay. Um, well, like, like, polygamy specifically comes up all the time. Yeah. Joseph Smith is all about that. All about. Brigham Young, all about that. All about. But the mainstream church, no more. And Not they're, anymore. They're extremists now. Yeah. Right. Or th- that's how the modern day church would describe the FLDS communities. Yeah, they would. They would really want to make it clear that we don't do polygamy anymore. Yeah. That's not us. Yeah. Uh, it's just these weird people over here. In the history of the church, when did that change? Because it was a long time that polygamy was common in Mormonism. Yeah. So was there like well, an era where it was like no longer acceptable? You know, politically or socially or whatever. Yeah, so that one came around the end of the 1800s, early 1900s. Um, They were getting a lot of pressure from the government. They were actually going to have their assets seized. Um, Leaders of the church were going to jail because they got uh, arrested under the bigamy laws. Um, But around, it was around 1890 was what's called the first manifesto, where the prophet at the time, I can't remember who it was, but... He said, you know, I've received this revelation that we need to stop this. Um, it actually continued for another 15 years, church-sanctioned uh, polygamy. And it wasn't really stopped until about 1905, but the church doesn't really talk about that. They don't like talking about that. Okay. Um, I wonder if we could just, this has been great. We're like, Thank you for filling us in. This is awesome. We should <laughs> I a hope little it's pause, maybe. No, it is, for sure. Uh, maybe we'll, after a little break, we'll talk about like the church today kind of what it looks like. I know there's a lot more to get from Joseph Smith where we are today. There's a lot of history. 
Like they haven't maybe, even moved west yet. I know. I know. <laughs> Can we? Just, it's safe to say that they 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 moved around a little bit. There was some fighting. <laughs> like they yeah, established their well, own state. Yeah. Okay. Well. Was well, there like a an elevator pitch, like a a way we can wrap? Like when you were. Okay, maybe not, actually. I could probably give a super Coles Notes version of them moving west if you want. Sure. sure. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah um, Let's do it. So, yeah, so Joseph, he ended up translating this book. He, he printed the Book of Mormon. Uh, he starts proselyting people to come join his, his religion, which he began officially on, uh, or in 1830, saying that I had a vision from God mm-hmm. and, you know, having people come caused a lot of issues for them. So they would try to escape those issues. They would settle somewhere. The people become upset. There would usually be clashes between the two. The church would say it was always the anti-Mormon people that hated them. You know, really, a lot of times the Mormons were either creating voting blocks um, or engaging in violence just as much as the others. So anyways, they kind of moved around. Um, Joseph Smith ended up being killed in 1844. I believe he was about 38, 39. Um, he was arrested for treason. Uh, he, he burned a printing press that was uh, printing information about his polygamy at the time, and he didn't like that. And he was the mayor. He was like the, the leader of the military or the militia. So he's like, go burn the printing press. And people don't like it when you tread on their freedom of speech. So, you know, they went after him and put him in jail, and he ended up uh, being killed by a mob. There was a succession crisis. I'm trying to do this quick. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> there was a succession crisis. Yeah. There wasn't really a clear, uh, defined way to figure out how the church continued. So there were back and forth. Anyways, Brigham Young was the guy who ended up winning that. Yeah. Uh, he was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles at the time. And he moved everybody west to the Salt Lake Valley. Um, there's a common story in Mormonism where he gets there and he says, this is the place. And, yeah. you know, it was a place that he had seen in vision. And so they settled in Salt Lake. And now there's uh, Utah, which is predominantly LDS or Mormon. Um, some places more than others. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's a long story. That was well sure. done. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. If, <laughs> if people are interested in, in a more detailed history, is there a book that you'd recommend maybe for people to... Get a richer history? Or oh, man. Um, there's a few books out there. A lot of them tend to kind of be really general about, well, here's the issues with the church, mm-hmm. not necessarily just about the history. Okay. Um, so one that I read kind of along those lines was uh, An Insider's View of Mormon Origins. Uh, that's one. Um, there's a couple about the biography of Joseph Smith. Uh, one is from a believing member of the Mormon Church uh, called Rough Stone Rolling, um, and another from a non-believer called No Man Knows My History. So there's a couple cool. options anyway. Thank you. Let's take a breath. Yeah. Okay. All right. I know that's a lot of information in one chunk, and there's probably way more you could have said about that. Um, but thanks for giving us an overview of the history. Can you kind of give us a sense of where the church is at today, modern look at the LDS church? Yeah, so the church is still centered in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, they talk about having around 15, 15 or 16 million members. They are a worldwide church in that they do send missionaries to most places that they're allowed uh, to 
you know, teach people about the church and baptize them as members and, and start either branches or churches. In Utah, the church is extremely powerful. Um, they have literally hundreds of billions of dollars uh, because in the church, it's expected that you pay 10% of your income month after month after month. Uh, and it's not a suggestion. It's if you want to be a member in full standing, you have to pay this or else you have to talk to your congregation leader who's a bishop um, and claim at the end of the year, like, yes, I'm a full tithe payer. So they have lots and lots of money. But there's pockets of places where there's tons and tons of members of the church. So Utah is obviously one. Uh, places like Idaho, Nevada, California have big populations. Um, Southern Alberta is another really big Mormon population. And the reason for that is when the church started getting kind of clamped down by the government about polygamy, people were sent to different places to continue polygamy mm. outside the reach of the United States. And Southern Alberta was one of those places that people got sent. Wow. So one thing that I did appreciate uh, being a member of the church was that anywhere in Alberta, really, and in a lot of other places, too, if you move, uh, you kind of get an automatic community mm -hmm. where you, you let them know you're coming. They help move your stuff into your house. Like, they're great people. Sure. And I, I want to make sure that I, I don't talk about all the negative stuff without kind of plugging a little bit of uh, how good people generally are in the church. Mm -hmm. um, like, Airdrie has... Uh, two different churches with five different congregations, a uh, population of 70,000 or so. Um, I would say most places in Alberta have at least one church building. When you say two different churches, you mean two different buildings. Mm -hmm. Oh, buildings, okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you, just, I had a question. Um, the Modern Church, there's a documentary on Netflix that came out recently called Keep Sweet about the FLDS. Um, do you find like there's a lot of confusion in terms of like the average citizen between the LDS and the offshoots? I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, the big joke is like, oh, Mormons, how many wives do you have? Right. <laughs> uh, no, just one. Sorry. Um, yeah. With documentaries like Keep Sweet, where they talk about the fundamentalist Latter-day Saint religions, there was breakoffs throughout the years. So when whichever, again, I can't remember which president of the church or which prophet it was who said, you know what, we're not doing polygamy anymore. One of the prophets earlier had said, you know, if there's no polygamy on the earth, then the church isn't true and the world's going to end. So like we have to have polygamy. So those people broke off and started the FLDS religion because they felt like they were following the Mormon church's prophets from before hmm. they changed. So there are a bunch. Hmm. I, I think most people and most members of the church honestly would be surprised at how many offshoots broke off in the modern church would it look at itself as a religion as a denomination of christianity uh, what would like a, the typical modern mormon say identify as yeah so i i was christian when i was a mormon i know a lot of people have different ideas of what the word christian means but when i talk about mormons being christian is that they believe in uh, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They believe in the Old Testament. They believe in the Bible, the New Testament. But the way that they believe in God and Jesus is different. So they don't believe in the Trinity where it's three personages in one form. I'm not exactly sure the terminology, but they believe that God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost is the third separate individual of what's called the Godhead or, or three individuals working towards the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when I'm asked, you know, are Mormons Christian? Yes, they are. 
but they don't believe in the Trinity. Uh, they have different doctrines. So others would say, no, that's not, that's not Christianity. Right. Right. Mentioned a couple times that like members of the church must do this, like must give, uh, was it 10% or yeah. like must do these missions. What, what's the teachings of the modern church on like salvation? Like, do you do those, if you don't do those things or if the, like, is there a teaching about hell, like heaven, hell, how do you get there? Like, yeah, so I say that a lot. I realize, yeah, so. <laughs> um, if you're lucky, Graham will edit some of those out. Oh, nice. He usually just looks after himself or, and gets or rid of the that part louder. Everybody yeah. sounds oh. like an idiot. Yeah. What's going on with this guy? It's not fair at all. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, so the idea with kind of heaven and hell is that there's not really like a place of burning um, hell type. It's more there's there is a place called outer darkness but the way to get there is that you have to have 100% knowledge that god is real that christ is real that the church is true and essentially it would be god is standing before you and you're like nah i'm good hmm. so only like the worst like of the worst denial. yeah go to that outer darkness where there's three degrees of glory they talk about so one is for bad people so that would be the celestial kingdom and it's better than earth but it's not nearly as good as the others the the one for good people who aren't Mormon is the terrestrial, where, again, it's awesome. Jesus is there, but it's not everything. Hmm. And then there's the celestial kingdom, which itself has three degrees to it. Oh, wow. uh, I know we just get deeper and deeper. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting, though. But that is where you've gotten married in the temple, you've done the temple ordinances, and you go on to essentially become as God. But that's a story in itself. Okay. But your question about... You know, do people have to do certain things? Like, I know a lot of churches, it's about faith. You know, um, I believe in, in Jesus, and I accept him into my life, and now I'm good. Uh, other churches would be like, well, it's works. You have to do specific mm -hmm. things, or else you're not going to make it. And th with the LDS church, it's it's kind of the more the second, where there's things that you have to be doing. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can make mistakes, you can repent and ask for forgiveness and things like that. So kind of using the, the atonement of Jesus in your life. But the idea is that you have to do certain things, or the fact is you're just not going to make it. And I, it's things like going to church every Sunday, paying okay, your 10%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You should be attending the temple regularly, whatever that means. There's a, a law of health called the Word of Wisdom, where you can't drink alcohol, smoke, do any drugs, uh, even coffee and tea are off limits. Um, even green tea? Even green tea. It's really? actually, yeah. Matcha? It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, tea from the tea plant, I guess. Oh, okay. But herbal tea's fine. So I heard a saying once, I think it goes something like this, as Christ once was, man is now, as Christ is now, man can become. Is that like a teaching or yeah, so that just was a, a sum up of what can happen to you? Yeah, that was a, a couplet, they call it, from, I believe it was Joseph F. Smith. He was one of the prophets of the church. So I think it's, it's really similar to what you say, where God, our God, like the one God for the earth kind of thing, used to be a man on his own planet. And he grew up just like us, had parents, had to prove himself worthy, um, and he was exalted, but then became a God and created this world as well as many other worlds, worlds without number, where he's populated those with his spirit children. So the idea in the LDS church is that if you're righteous and you make it to that top degree of the celestial kingdom, you 
will become as God and inherit everything that God has. So you go to your own place, you create worlds, you populate them with your own spirit children. That was one of the reasons why polygamy was a big thing, because if you're going to heaven, you've got to populate billions of people. You're going to need more than one wife. Yes. And is it, would it be the relationship you have on earth in the afterlife would be who you're with populating worlds with? If your spouse remains worthy. Oh, wow. So that's a big thing, especially for someone who leaves where your spouse believes, like, we're going to be married, but only if you do everything the church teaches. So going back to TV shows that are on right now, mm-hmm. uh, Under the Banner of Heaven is one that's yeah. on Disney Plus with Andrew Garfield getting really great reviews. Yeah. Um, I should have recommended that show. Yeah, <laughs> but I, we've I, recommended I, the book. Or we have oh, yeah. Past, yeah. Probably a couple times. Yeah. I, it's, once yeah, before once, you finish reading it and once after. It. <laughs> <laughs> that's coming out. <laughs> But there's a moment where he's sitting in his vehicle and he's reading a book. It's a red book. And I can't remember the name of it, but essentially it's someone who wrote about a lot of the inconsistencies with the church. Um, it was one of the precursors for some of the stuff that's out today. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there and it, it just, he's falling apart. And like, I get, <laughs> I get emotional talking about it because mm-hmm. it's like a lot what I felt mm-hmm. like when I was going through it. Yeah. And I'll get to my story later. Yeah. But he's sitting in his car and he's, falling apart, crying, and his wife comes in, and he gives this weak smile, and uh, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling here, and she's like, can you pray with me? Of course, and he starts, but he just can't, because he's, he's deconstructing, and, and what she does is kind of say, and I'm sure it's out of fear and the teachings that she's been taught, it's you have to go to church, and you have to bear your testimony, or share with the congregation the the beliefs that you have about the church. So essentially it's you better go to church and you better say that you believe in this stuff. And then the underlying idea is this isn't going to work if it's not, because we're not going to be in heaven it's, together. It's about me too. Yeah. 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 So hmm. if the idea is if your spouse doesn't make it or if you don't get married or whatever else, it'll get worked out in the end. But essentially it's women will be given to men as polygamous wives if you look far back enough in the history yeah it's not something that the church would just come out and teach they would say well we don't really know what happens but it would all be fine that's kind of what was taught in the past so as attractive as that my view of the afterlife might be to me my wife who has already had four kids might be like what like this does not make sense like what is the modern view of the church for women has that changed like some afterlife i know um and again, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you'll be part of that. You'll be part of um, creating these worlds. What part, we don't really say. You'll hmm. be part of this heavenly parents, because the Mormon church would say that there's a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. Hmm. You just, you're not allowed to pray to heavenly mother, because that's bad. Um, you only pray to heavenly father, but they're up there. We don't know much about them. Hmm. And I kind of question one of the reasons why we don't talk about heavenly mother is because there's just so many up there. And we don't all have the same one. Right. So again, this would come across to members of the church as he's, I'm skewing it. I'm only looking at the negative or we don't teach that anymore. Right. Uh, and it's true. We, we don't teach that anymore, but definitively but the prophets like come back taught to that. that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know a whole lot about this history, but the church has been definitely accused of sort of, I don't know about being like fundamentally racist but they've certainly had a lot of issues. Some problems there. Problems there. Yeah, um, so that, that one goes way back. Yeah. 
the modern church today? Have they taken steps? Have they tried to mitigate that? They Messaging? have. Yeah. Yeah. So in really back in Brigham Young's day, he was, and I'm just going to say it because he was, he was an extremely racist individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, he taught that black people were black because they received the same dark skinned curse as the Lamanites did, except they were descendants from Cain. Uh, so the one that slew his brother Abel. Biblical precedence there, yeah. Yeah. He was and, given a mark of some kind, according yeah. to the Bible. And that was a common belief at the time, is that Cain was cursed with black skin. Um, so in the Book of Mormon, there's passages that talk about how people are cursed with dark skin, and if they're righteous, they actually become white. And leaders of the church would teach, like, Spanish, you know, South American people, like Native American people, that they could become lighter if they continued to be righteous. And they'd make comments like, you can look at this mother of Spanish children and you look at the children and their shades lighter, which means that the Spanish people are becoming more righteous. You can see it before your eyes. Mm. Um, There's, again, scriptures in the Book of Mormon, scriptures in other books in Mormonism called the Book of Abraham that talks about how black people can't have access to the priesthood where... Every worthy, worthy, air quotes, <laughs> yeah. every worthy male member of the church gets the priesthood. Uh, and up until 1978, black people couldn't. Hmm. Uh, that was changed at that time. 78. Yeah. And the church has stepped back and said, you know, we, we disavow past ideas of why this happened. They mm. haven't said we were wrong, but it's like, yeah. we weren't racist, though. Um, but... We're all equal now. Like, it's okay. We should say that, like, the Mormon church isn't the only faith or religious <laughs> no. group that has had to deal with uh, running back a few things, right? Like, addressing... Or the- many things. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So. And, I mean, my... I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's more... The belief is that the leader of your church is a prophet who gets their information directly from God. And mm-hmm. so when the prophet says, God told me this, and then years later, it's like, well, Did he though? Yeah, we're going to go this other direction. Yeah. Um, it's okay. kind of a struggle for me. Yeah. yeah. So when can you trust the divine inspiration yeah. or what is that? Is there a term for that? Um, like a direct line to God that. Well, and I think in like in if you want to call them ex-Mormon circles, the idea is when is a prophet speaking for God Mm -hmm. and when are they speaking as a man? When are they giving their own opinion? Mm -hmm. Because they're not really good at making the distinction. (laughs) It's not like a light comes on speaking as a man and then it goes off and speaking as God and then it goes off. We just kind of left to guess. So the modern day church still has, has prophets. Yeah. 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 How do you become one? So the idea is that anybody could be um, eventually through righteousness and whatnot, uh, but essentially it's you work. It's not a linear thing, but essentially you would work through leadership from leading a congregation to leading a group of congregations to becoming what's called a general authority where they travel around and have extra responsibilities. Eventually you become uh, one of the 12 apostles. So there's a group of 12 who are considered, um, yeah, apostles just like in the Bible. And the oldest, or the, the apostle that's been an apostle the longest eventually becomes prophet. So when the current one, his name's Russell M. Nelson, he's like 97 or something right now. When he passes away, 
the next person that has been the apostle the longest will become the prophet. So there's only one prophet ever at a time. Yeah, yeah. There's and they speak with authority for the whole church. church. Yeah. So, Jason, you've given us quite a history. <laughs> uh, quite the, the summation of the modern church. Um, and I feel like that was all the pre-text and preamble to what we actually want to talk to you about. <laughs> you know, you grew up in the church. and I actually joined when I was 16. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Oh, so, that. This is going to be interesting. That's going to be great. So we need to do a little pause, and I think we need to talk about your experience in the church. Okay. Because that's where it's going to get good. Yeah. Not that it hasn't been good. No, it's been good. (laughs) It's only the tip of the iceberg. Okay. Okay. You can only use that once. During that segment break, we chowed down on some. Chris, is this where's this food from? Like what? What country of origin? Would you oh, say? Vietnamese. Vietnamese food. From, two two uh, doors down from Angry Bear Growlers. Yeah, and it's amazing. And we're mm-hmm. nourished and ready to go <laughs> for another segment. Dason, you've really set us up, set the stage for like historical context, and hopefully, we all know kind of where the LDS Church is at today. What we really want to know is how you got involved with the church. So can you walk us through that a bit? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, my my dad was always a member, but throughout my life, I didn't even know that. Uh, he kind of went and did his own thing early on. For me, though, my, my parents split up when I was young. Um, my dad started going back to the Mormon church with his new wife, um, and they started... Well, they introduced me to like the steak dances. So when you're 14, you can start going to these uh, dances that the church puts on. Mm-hmm. So really all of my friends ended up being Mormon kids. Um, mm-hmm. So I went to these for a while. I actually started dating a girl when I was 16 and she was Mormon. And she invited me out to this Sunday fireside. And it was just pictures of like Christ's life set to music and... I was watching and I, I felt emotional and I got kind of teary, choked up. And like in the Mormon church, it's like you're like chum in the waters when you do something like that, when you're not part of it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, oh, man, he felt the spirit. So we need to we need to go talk to this guy. So I tried to hide it as best I could. I didn't do a good job. <laughs> um, but they introduced me to the missionaries. They said, hey, like, do you want to learn about the church? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So... That's kind of where it started. Um, so the missionaries taught me their lessons. They A big thing in the church is that they talk about how the stuff that we teach you, like the missionaries, the stuff that we teach you, you don't have to take our word for it. You can pray about it. You can ask God, and God's going to tell you that everything Tested, that we yeah. say, yeah, um, anything that we say is, is true, but God's going to tell you. So... They said, you know, go read the Book of Mormon, go read these specific passages, and then go pray about it. So I did, and um, I had a picture of, like, the the face of Jesus that the LDS Church puts out. I had that in my window, and I looked up, and I got that same kind of emotional feeling and started to cry, and I was like, that's God telling me that the Mormon Church is true. So told the missionaries, said a baptism date, got baptized. 
And sorry, you're 16 at this time? 16, yeah. And that was pretty quick, the process too. Yeah, like back then. So this was, geez, 1697. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 41 now. I can't do the math. I think it was 97. Mm-hmm. That checks out. Yeah. Back then, they actually asked people about, uh, about baptism after either the first or the second lesson. But oh, by wow. sure, by the second lesson. Because the idea is if you go read and you pray, you can get an answer super quick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that went pretty quick through to baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom and my two younger brothers joined soon after. Uh, and my dad had been going, like I said. Um, like in secret or you always knew he was going? You just No, I knew he was going. But it was just like, yeah, he you wasn't go to church, to whatever. bring his family along, though, necessarily. No, no. And, again, like, his suggestion to go to those steak dances was just, they're fun. Your step siblings are going. You might have a good time, and they were. They were fun. Uh, kept me out of a lot of trouble, I'm sure. But join the church. Um, a, a big part of the Mormon Church is going on a mission. So pretty much from the moment you're a teenager, you start planning, you start thinking about, you start, you know, really just preparing to go on a mission. So for the for the Mormon Church, you go for two years, um, and it's very isolating so at the time I could only contact my family through letters once a week I could talk to them twice a year on Mother's Day wow. and Christmas Ooh. otherwise it was it, the idea is that it it, uh, it gets in the way it's like yeah. you need to be in tune with the spirit you need to be immersed yeah. in the gospel in the church and, and God can communicate through you better if you just put everything else aside and just go to work you said that was so, two years. Yeah. Trip. So I went from 19 to 21, uh, 2000, 2002. I went to the California Ventura mission. Uh, I'm pretty sure that missions have split or changed since then, but it kind of encompassed um, Pismo Beach, Santa Barbara, Ventura, Santa Maria, up to Bakersfield, kind of a rectangle in, in California there. Were you excited to go there? It sounds like a pretty... Decent place to go? I wanted to go learn a new language. Okay, I wanted okay. to go learn French or Japanese oh, so you're or something. Told to go. Yeah, so you put in your papers whether you want to learn a language or not, and I did. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, you get sent to California, there's worse places to go. Sure. Yeah. And is this, is this one of those things where your, your motivation to do it is to level up your um, heaven experience? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on Terrestrial how you want to celestial. <laughs> like, the, the big push is that all worthy young men are supposed to go on a mission. It's like a, a priesthood responsibility. Women don't do it? They can. Okay. So the bigger push for women is you should be getting married relatively young and okay. starting a family. So when I went on my mission, men could go at 19. Women had to wait till they were 21. Because it was them- like, yeah, like go start a family. And if you haven't or can't or whatever, then you can go on a mission. So is it like a, just a pressure, like a cultural like pressure to do these things and then or is it like are you consciously like i want to reach the celestial oh thing? like the reason why you would go yeah on a mission? like if you're like i think they would out the paperwork what are you thinking i think it would be less about if i go on a mission i'll uh, i have a greater chance of going to heaven it's more like there is pressure you're supposed to go if you don't go people look down on you for sure okay um had your dad done that when he was Mormon and I wasn't, or like when he was a teenager, did he do a mission? No, no. He, so some people don't do it. No, and usually, if you continue on in the church, usually men would go. 
Yeah. Uh, even, well, today I think more and more the youth are not attending the Mormon church. They're kind of falling away when they move out. But there's still that really big push and expectation that you go if you're a teenage boy. So when you look back on, the, on your two years in California, uh, what were those years like? Was it, was it positive? Was it affirming of your faith? Was it fun? Yeah, I mean, when you're in it, it feels a certain way. When you're in the church looking back, you kind of idealize it. And then when you leave the church looking back, you see a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of it was really positive. I had fun. You know, I met really interesting and cool people. I got to move to California, and that was neat. But at the same time, it was pretty isolating. I know a lot of missionaries struggle with their mental health, depression, anxiety, because they're taken away from their family. And now you can call weekly. You can have, like, FaceTime calls. They've changed that. But when I went, that was not a thing. So you get stuck with a missionary companion who you just can't stand. And you're stuck with them for a month and a half to three months. And you could just be hating life. There's times where people will yell at you or, you know, they'll want to quote-unquote Bible bash, and other times people are super nice. So, and, and what's the, like, what are you doing in the day? Are you knocking on doors asking to talk about our Lord and Savior kind of thing? Pretty much, yeah. So you wake up at 6.30, you have about an hour to, like, get cleaned up, shower, whatever, get dressed, and then you have around two hours until 9.30 of Scripture study. So that could be Old Testament, New Testament, um, Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, which is revelations given to the founder, Joseph Smith, and the Pearl of Great Price, which is kind of a couple other books kind of thrown in there. It's hard to explain. Is there, is there a Bible that has the two, you know old, new Mormon book? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, so it's just one book that has all those? Yeah, it's called right. a quad. Okay. And it's really it's fat. huge. <laughs> uh, and it's the King James Version, because that's what the uh, LDS members believe is the best mm. version of the Bible. But it's called a quad, and it has everything. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What what year were the most recent uh, writings be from? Oh man, uh, in there, it would probably be when uh, black people were able to get the priesthood in 1978. Okay. Before that, it would be ending polygamy in 1890 slash 1905. Like amendments over the years, they just exactly. tack on a book at the end that yeah fixes. Yeah. So yeah, went on the mission for two years. You're not allowed to date, watch TV, go to movies. It's just from 9.30 to 9.30. You knock on people's doors. Wow. You go and talk to members of the church and see if they've got friends that they want to introduce you to. Um, you might go visit people who don't attend anymore, but their names are still on the records mm. of the church. But yeah, 9 to 9.30. And who's supporting you? Like you're two 19-year-old kids. Is there, do you have a bishop or a guy you check in with or a yeah, so there's a couple levels. So we do pay for ourselves. We're not paid to go. So we have to save about $10,000. The church will help, like your individual congregation or your ward will help if you can't bring that up. But you do have like leadership as missionaries. So there's district leaders of maybe two to three groups or pairs of missionaries. You got zone leaders that might be over 12. And then you got assistance to the president of the mission, and they are kind of the two top missionaries. They've been there the longest. They kind of go and do trainings. But you have a mission president who's just over the missionaries and their whole calling. So they might be from Nevada, and they go to California, and they live in there for three years, and they just organize the missionaries. So we check in really regular. So we're in Airdrie right now. Would there be missionaries here? Oh, yeah. 
There's and, missionaries in Red Deer, there's missionaries in yeah, Sylvan, like really? everywhere. Anywhere. And how many at a time in each town? Uh, it depends. Like if there's several congregations, there would be more missionaries. Um, if there's not as many, there might only be two or maybe not even any. But typically, like Airdrie, there's five congregations here. So there's probably 10 missionaries wandering around town. Any given time? Yeah. Um, in, in knocking on doors for two years, is there a person <laughs> or a family that you remember that stuck out? Like the way you were received by, by a household that you won't forget? I mean, they must all blur together at some point, but is there one that sticks out? Oh, yeah, there's, there's lots. Yeah. And I mean, depending on kind of the direction you want me to go. Like how, how about negative experience? Yeah, worst experience first. <laughs> So there was one experience where I was with a companion who said that he could see spirits. And in Mormonism, it's like there's kind of the, when we die, we, we are still our souls. We're still around and they're all around us. So he was okay. like, well, I can see these people. Familiar spirits. Or yeah. So anyways, we, we talked to these Spanish speaking missionaries um, and they said, yeah, we got this guy who lives in a garage behind one of our members' house, and he's with his <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah, it's already sketchy, right? I love, I love this story <laughs> so much already. But he's like, he speaks English, so we can't teach him. But this crazy thing happened. So they went and talked to this guy, and this lady's there, drunk out of her mind from what they can tell, kind of leering at them. And so they're getting this really weird feeling. So they swear up and down this happened where she was standing up and several feet, maybe not several feet, but like two feet behind her was this chair. And they swear up and down that she went to sit down and the chair scooted itself underneath her for her to sit on. So they're like, what? It just happened. And so they were convinced that she was possessed. And I wouldn't say that's a really common thing for missionaries to believe, but it's not unheard of. Like, we believe that stuff could happen. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you guys got to... Like, he's interested. You guys got to go figure this out. We're like, what? <laughs> so we go over to this place, and it's literally a detached garage. They had maybe put a bathroom in the corner there or something. But the walls are literally, there's a film because it's been smoked in so much. Yeah. Um, and she, she was an artist, apparently, because she had naked women pictures all over the walls. And we're 19-year-old Mormon missionaries. We're like, oh, what do we do? Don't look at them. That's bad. <laughs> but we go in there and start talking to him. And she's leering at us, too. So we're like, oh, that's weird. So me and my companion, because my companion swore, oh, yeah, she's possessed. I can see it. I'm like, dude, are you, really? Mm. Really? <laughs> okay. I mean, whatever. So we, you know, we... Mormons believe that you have priesthood, so the authority given from God to act in behalf of him. Mm -hmm. And nobody else has that. Because, again, the Mormon church is the one true church on the earth. Nobody else is. So he's like, we need to lay our hands on this lady and cast out this spirit. Mm. I'm like, I don't know if I want to touch her, elder. Because <laughs> we call each other elder. But elder, like he's just... 19. You're, okay. Yeah. So we're both elder. Like I was, yeah. Yeah. you know... He calls you elder. Elder you Jacob elder. and Elder Dason. Yeah, or last names anyway. But, she yeah, so we... On the podcast, we should do that. <laughs> Elder Graham. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like we laid our hands on her head. We invoked the authority Ooh. of the priesthood and cast out this demon. And I don't know if anything spectacular happened, but we felt better. Hmm. So that hmm. was interesting. Did it change her demeanor? <laughs> um, I think at the time we maybe thought it did, but I don't, I don't think it's like, oh, she stopped drinking and she 
tore down all the naked pictures off her wall, and now she's going to church. <laughs> I don't think it was a situation like that. Wow. So you finish your two years of these kinds of events? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and largely good. Like, I had a good time. I know other people don't, mm-hmm. um, but mine wasn't terrible. Uh, yeah. But in the final interview that your mission president gives you, he says, Elder, your mission now is to go home and get married. Mm. That is what you do. That is what you focus on. And, you know, in my cynical brain now, it's, it's thinking, well, they want you to get married to kind of really lock you into the church. Because if you go off, I mean, you're probably going to have sex or something, go to parties and stuff. So let's just really get you mm-hmm. integrated Let's lock this quick. down. Yeah. yeah. There's so, enough. There's an, I'm interest, or surprised that there's enough pressure to keep 19-year-olds from doing that on their two-year mission. Some do. Yeah, I'm um, sure. And we all knew missionaries that were, you know, quote-unquote disobedient, the ones that watched TV with people or just went sightseeing or whatever. We, we all looked down on them. And yeah. looking back, it's like, I wish I did a little bit more sightseeing. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, there was some good TV in those years, too, I think. Yeah, I didn't get to watch Lord of the Rings when it came <laughs> oh out. My oh, my goodness. Ba- oh, and I was you a were huge a fan. fan. Oh, you were you uh, kind of the books at the time. I was, yeah. You couldn't watch the movies. No. Nope. Oh, no. Yeah, so that was hard. Yeah. But... I mean, first world problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess when the hobby came first out, who cares? Really? Yeah, by that point. But no, I, I came home and I was married. I got home right after my 21st birthday. I was married before my 22nd birthday. And is it like the church has wow. an idea like, hey, there's this girl your age that we recommend? Or no. you're picking, you're <laughs> you choosing see, yourself. You're going back to keep sweet. That's the FLDS <laughs> yeah, that's, where oh, the prophet tells the young women who they're going to marry. That's not okay. what happened to you. Not, to, not this time, no. Um, but no, there's, it's, it's really pushed. You have to marry a Mormon girl and you have to marry in the temple, which is different from a regular congregation. You go to do special ordinances and ceremonies that eventually get you... You're, you're not, you're, you become worthy and you have all the things that you need to go back to God. Like, to Is go there to only heaven. one temple, like Salt Lake City, or are there more than one? No, there, there's a temple in Calgary. Um, there's a temple in Cardston, Alberta, Edmonton. Um, but Salt Lake is like the big one. But they're... they're and oh. is there something special about the physical space? Like, it's bigger or it's... Yeah, they look like castles. Yeah. Um, they are making smaller ones. Like, Calgary is a smaller temple. But there are really big ones, like San Francisco is a, is a beautiful temple. Um, but you go there for specific things, and marriage is one of those things. Mm-hmm. So is there worship ser- services there on Sunday mornings, or it's like, this is where we marry people? Yeah, so I can talk a little bit about it. Um, members of the church, they hold it sacred. Um, and there's actually promises that you don't share the stuff that happens in the temples with mm-hmm. people oh. uh, that, you, that you make when you're in the temple. So... Mm. But I want to be respectful of yep. other people. But in our general, podcast doesn't have that many listeners, so you can. <laughs> yeah, I can just say. But yeah, so in the temple, you would do baptisms for the dead, which a lot of times is the teenage members of the church. So you don't pull bodies out of the ground and dunk them in water. It's you're baptized for and in behalf of other people, because the idea is you have to be baptized as a member of the LDS Church, or else you can't make it to to heaven again. You can't make it back to God. So anyone that's died without having the chance to be Mormon gets to be baptized. So after you guys die, presumably if the church is still around, you'll probably get baptized at some point. And what is physically, what, like they're going through a register of names and just like, we now baptize Chris 
into the Mormon church kind of thing? More or less, yeah. yeah. So that's why genealogy, wow. family history is such a huge part of the Mormon church is they go to the temple with these names and they do all the ordinances. So the teens would baptize them. So essentially it's they would be baptized themselves, but someone would say, for this other person, you're baptized. Wow. Who gets the queen is my question. Well, and there's been um, controversy with that because yeah. uh, the like Israel found out that the Mormons were baptizing Holocaust victims, and understandably, they were not impressed. So wow. they told the Mormon Church, "Like you got to stop. These people Stay died for lane, their beliefs. LDSers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't be baptizing these people that died for their beliefs. Huh. Um, and it took them a couple times before they finally stopped. But I think they did stop eventually. Who knows? Yeah." But, yeah, I would okay. not be surprised if the queen, some yeah. well-meaning member may have already done it. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so, so I, I came home. The idea is you get married as quick as you can. Uh, so I, I met someone after one of these dances. When you're over 18, you go to institute dances, so different age group. But I met a mutual friend. Can I just ask the dances? Trying to picture what that dance looks like, like what music is playing, yeah. you know, uh, what do you, what kind of killers, in, only the killers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mormon band for sure. Yeah. Um, they, I, I'm picturing a middle school dance where you stand as far apart as you can with your hands on shoulders. You know what I mean? Like it's very like, you do have to, you have to keep at least a, uh, a book of Mormon width. <laughs> um, <laughs> you you gotta be able to fit the, the quad, quad in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the they, more restrictive dances have the quad. That's the, a measuring stool. So yeah, they would they would hire a DJ. They would have lights. It would be just in a church gym because all of them have a really big area for basketball. Basketball courts, yeah. Yep. yeah. But I mean, they they vet the songs. They make sure there's no like swears or but questionable they're, they're popular lyrics. songs though. Like they're oh, yeah. they're top forty kind of stuff. Like yep. it's all not hymns. No hymns, okay. <laughs> except in church. Hymns for church. Okay. Popular music for the dances. Music for dances. And real quick, the hymns. Are there Mormon specific hymns or do they cross over? You know? like, are you singing Amazing Grace? On yeah. Uh, we would it? sing okay. some. Yeah. Um, and actually, we all thought that, oh, this is just Mormon songs. Like, sure. this is for the Mormon church. But, like, I think there's quite a few, like, good uh, Poor Wayfaring Man of Grief. Um, a poor wayfaring. I don't have to sing it, but no, like, I think did. that's <laughs> pretty common, isn't it? I, I know that. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. You have? I'd be curious how many hymns that we would recognize. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But like, then there's praise to the man and that's talking all about Joseph Smith and how all the great, great things that he did. So yeah. like that's part of a worship service. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so you met your wife at a dance afterwards. Afterwards. So a lot of times we would go out to restaurants and, you know, meet up with groups of people and I met her, she's a mutual friend or she was a friend of someone I was friends with as well. So we dated for three months and got engaged and got married three months later, which isn't uncommon. Like you get married really quick in the Mormon church. Some people weeks, less than two months. Um, some people more, to be fair. But like we got married in the temple, which the idea behind that is that you're sealed together for not just time. So the common idea is till death do you part. When you go to the temple, you're sealed for time and all eternity. So you'll be together forever as long as you endure to the end, do all the stuff you're supposed to. Yeah. And the ceremony itself is pretty standard as far as you know? Or you don't want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
what do I want to talk about when it comes to that? Well, it's I mean, not, when I think of a ceremony, I think of like all your friends and family are there. It's a big gathering. Is it, is it not, is it a little smaller? Is it? Well, the thing with temples is that you have to be a member of the church and mm-hmm. you have to be worthy. So you have to have talked to your bishop and stake president about your worthiness to get a recommend to enter. Mm-hmm. So if your family are Mormon and they're worthy, they can go and be in there, but otherwise they have to wait outside. And that's been a bone of contention for a lot of people that leave the church. Or because it's secretive or because it's like you have to be... The like reason they There's can't. things you can't see or you just yeah. don't deserve to be here? So it depends on whether you're asking the question from a more faithful perspective or whether you're asking from someone who's left the church why mm. people can't go in. I think we're asking someone well, to the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, how about the faithful response? Yeah. First. So, I mean, the faithful response would be is that you receive knowledge and learning, you're taught, uh, the things that you need to be able to return back to heaven. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things that you have to be able to do and certain things that you have to be able to say to be able to pass the angels that stand as sentinels wow. to get into heaven. That's intense. Um, I know all those. <laughs> yeah. You're covered. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, the the former believer knows or would say that the temple started with uh, Freemasonry, and they were extremely secretive in their hand grips and like a handshake. Yeah, hand so I'm is? specifically talking Freemasonry <laughs> right now. So yeah. 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 they had hand grips and words and phrases that they would have to say to be able to move to the next level of Freemasonry um, with penalties saying that if you share this with someone that we will kill you. You'll be buried in this mm. something of sands of time or something? Well, for Masonry, it was more... Your tongue was cut out, maybe? Your tongue would be cut out. Your, your bowels would be split open and gush out um, so that the beasts of the field would eat your innards, innards more or less. So again, speaking nice. of Freemasonry. Is that part of the wedding vows or? <laughs> <laughs> wedding vows 2.0? No. So, so coming back to the question yeah. is the reason it's secretive. It's sacred to the people who believe in it. Mm-hmm. It comes from Freemasonry to the people that don't. Hmm. There's an also an argument that the reason it was secretive is because Joseph started the temple marriage ordinances to engage in polygamy. So you were sworn to secrecy so that his polygamy wouldn't get out. Yeah. And others, mm. leaders in the church, also their polygamy wouldn't get out. Yeah. Again, debatable. Is there, this is off topic, so is there polygamy in the LDS? Not anymore. Officially? I mean, they said that in, initially it was going to stop, but it didn't for yeah. a while. So Yeah. So anyone that engages in polygamy now is a break off from the, from the Salt Lake, the mm. Brighamite yeah. sect. So places like Bountiful, people like Warren Jeffs, they would be from those break offs. Where the own, you would be excommunicated if you engage in polygamy now with the mainstream church, but polygamy is kind of baked into the afterlife as well. It gets kind of complicated. So they don't have yeah. like a, an official connection to the LDS. The FLDS, no. Like they would, but do they think they do, or they just think they're the well, true church? They think they're the they true think, church. Yeah, they okay. think that the Brighamites <laughs> fell away yeah. from the true church in. Uh, disengaging from polygamy. Mm-hmm. So when you were 2021, 20, you know, doing your trip, getting married, what was your view of, of those? Did you ever hear about them? Did you know much about them? FLDS, was that even part of your world at all? 
So I think a lot of people know, you know what, yeah, we had a polygamy in the past, or you know what, yeah, we didn't let black people get the priesthood until 78, or mm-hmm. w- if they would even know the number. But it's just like, you know what, it, 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 is that really important? Like, we've got a prophet. It's not like that now. Yeah, yeah like yeah, we're getting yeah. better, right? Like, yeah. this isn't yeah. a big deal. So you know some things, but you don't know very deep any of the things, most people. That's not exclusive to Mormonism anyway. No, probably not. No. no. So I think where we're heading is to where you decided to leave the church. But before we get there, is there anything you'd like to say before we get there? I would just say that I feel like members of the church think that people leave because they wanted to sin. They wanted to drink alcohol. Mm. They wanted to party. They wanted to have sex when they're not supposed to. Uh, It was too hard. They were lazy. Uh, They didn't really believe in the first place. And I can say for me, and I know for a fact for a lot of people, that's just not true. Mm. We believed it 100%. But for me... And you were faithful. Oh, yeah. I paid my 10% religiously. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I went to the temple. I had callings, like high leadership callings in my congregations for two decades. Hmm. And, you know, for, for me, it all kind of started where, you know, you've got a family, it's growing. Mormons have generally large families, so I've got four kids. And I would go to church, and you're, you're taught that, you know, you do all the right things. You, you go to church, you pay your tithing, and you'll be the happiest person on the planet you'll be so much happier than anybody else that's not mormon you're promised that and i would go to church and it's like i don't want to be here like i'm tired i'm kind of ticked off that my kids were screaming before we got here and i had to like wrestle them into their sunday clothes and so it kind of started to eat away at me slowly and i think that's pretty common for a lot of different Mm -hmm. denominations where it's like i'm doing the right things why do i not feel blessed yeah for me, that wasn't enough, so I, I felt like it was a failing within myself. Like, what am I not doing? How am I sucking? You know, why am I not worthy enough? What am I doing that makes me not worthy enough to feel blessed? Mm-hmm. And so I talked to a few people in the church, and they're like, you know what? Just keep reading your, reading your scriptures, keep praying, keep doing all the things, and it'll get better. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how long I did that for, but I, it didn't really significantly improve. So I was like, well, how do I how long am I supposed to do this before I see those blessings that I'm promised to have? How long were you, were you in the church before those, you started feeling that way? So I got baptized around 97 and I, I think it was late 2017 where I was really into it. It might've been months or years. Like, I don't know if it goes back to 2016 or whatever, but, but there was a period of struggling there where I'm doing all the things I'm not doing anything I shouldn't do. But it's like, ah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not getting what I'm supposed to be getting out of this anymore. Yeah. So at that point, I reached out to a friend who I had seen, had posted on Facebook, pro-LGBTQ marriage type stuff. And in the Mormon church, that's really like they believe that you existed before you were born and gender was an important part of that. You'll exist after you die and gender is an important part of that. So families are super important. So gay people, they don't really fit with the theology and we can't really the Mormons anyway, can't really explain very well why are people gay, but they believe that they're sinning. You're not allowed to do that. So I knew that he went to church. He was a really close friend. And so I reached out to him and I was like, how do you make this work? Like how, how do you keep going? And you have this belief that goes against the church. And he said, you know what, Dason, I, I go for my family and I think there's a lot of good here, but I don't believe the 
the t- main truth claims of the church anymore. Mm. And this blew my mind. Like I had, I'd never <laughs> heard yeah. someone that still goes to church say, well, I don't believe it. And so I was like, well, why? And so he got me starting from like Mormon apologetic sites. So believing members of the church answering really difficult questions. I started there and some of their answers were, you know what? I, I could believe that. Like I can understand that. But some of it was like, uh, that's, that's too much of a stretch for me. I can't believe that. And then I would dig further and I would look at their sources where they're getting their information from. And at least sometimes what they were saying the sources said didn't match up. And these were on some of, they're called the gospel topics essays. They're on the church website that they try to answer some of these more difficult questions. Mm. But I would look into those sources and it's like, that's not what they said at all. You're spinning that to the point of lying. Mm-hmm. So I, I just dove in to any source of information that I could get. And I was super careful. You know, I, I guess I want to get that across too, where yeah. it's not like, oh, this person said this, so it must be true. I looked into their sources. I looked into, you know, why would this person say this? What's their motivation? Yeah. So I didn't just accept, oh, all the negative stuff. It was, I wanted to make as close as possible that I could. I want to make sure that what someone's saying is accurate truth. Mm-hmm. Was that like a moment, like a shift in your mindset where it's like, I'm going to start seeking this out right now. Like now is the time for me to just look into this or was it like a gradual, I'm just curious about your, like, did your mindset just change all of a sudden? Uh, I think. Like, what were you looking for? What were you searching for? Well, I wanted the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, like the, the Mormon church talks a ton about like, if you have the truth, you don't have to fear any source of information. But that was like years and years and years ago when they said that yeah. since the since like the internet came out, they're like, oh, don't look at anti-Mormon material, only look at faithful material. So you're really insulated from a lot of this stuff. But for me, the Mormon church puts so much emphasis on what's true that I felt, I just want to know what's true. Mm-hmm. I don't, whatever it takes me, I want the church to be true. That was never my intent of looking into it to prove it wrong because I wanted to go, you know, have a beer or whatever. Um, I just wanted to know, yeah, what was true. So, Dason, you have set the scene for us. You've, you're reading, you're seeking, you want the truth. Um, what did you find? Well, and I want to, I guess I want to preface before I start getting into the, whether you want to call it subjectively negative type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, like my time in the Mormon church was pretty positive. You know, I didn't have any major uh, traumatic events. I know other people do. And I mean, for me, I fit. You know, I'm... And I don't want to make this political or anything, but I'm like a middle-aged white guy. I've done, I've checked all the boxes that I'm supposed to check. So in a lot of ways, I fit the mold of what a Mormon was. So for me, it was okay. Like it was good a lot of the time. Mormons are super family-based. They are super nice people. Like I don't want this to come across as I think, you know, Mormons are stupid or that they're brainwashed or naive or whatever. It's just more when I started digging into this stuff... I don't think necessarily there's 
like one issue where it's like that's the one that makes it not true it's more like death by a thousand cuts kind of thing mm-hmm. where over and over and over again you learn well that's not what i was taught they didn't teach me that that is not okay whatsoever and and it just kind of goes from there so are you comparing like what you were taught to things you were learning outside of the church do you is that what you mean yeah yeah so i mean i think a lot of religious traditions would probably have their narrative their story um christianity included where you know we have this record and this is what we teach of how we've come about and all the foundational events and stuff like that but you start looking into the history and you start learning, well, it's not as clear-cut as they make it sound. And in a lot of ways, that's fine, but some of the things that I was finding out just didn't match with the church still being true. Can I ask, just like going off your tattoo um, and your cell phone case there, how, how much <laughs> uh, did like sort of science and sort of like history scientifically play? Was that a factor at all? Good question. Yeah. Um, my tattoo, I've got a sleeve, I've got space, planets, uh, DNA, um, a couple of chimps on my arm. My phone case is space with, like, a chimp slowly evolving into yeah. a man. So there's <laughs> <Yeah>. a, <laughs> you have caught a my theme. theme. He's also wearing a Tyrannosaurus Rex t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I agree that I'm a pretty analytical person. I... I guess there's two views that you can look at this whole thing with. On the one side is the spiritual side, where it's if you read this, the Book of Mormon and pray about it, God will tell you by giving you a spiritual experience that it's right, true, what God wants. And that's great. But on the other side, it's like it has to make sense to me as well. Like the, the dots have to add up to the church being true. So... Yeah, I, I'm. I think a lot of it, like a lot of the science and, and history, did. It was a big part. Of well, this even just for me. Talk, talking about the founding of the, the people coming over, like there's no evidence of that of any of that civilizations at that point. Yeah, it's completely and, against all evidence. Yeah, and that's some of the things that I started to uncover. Yeah, where, like, I, I can list off some of them. Is that yeah. kind of where we're going? No, no, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> sure that was an aspect of of your seeking. And you don't you don't have to go into detail. Like this is the tipping point, or like. No, I just it's it. I'm just curious if that was an aspect, or if it oh, was more just theological. Um, no, it wasn't necessarily theological. I think it was more looking at the claims with a skeptical eye to to find out if they could be backed up. Okay. So I think someone could get to my position by doing the same types of things, but they have to, I guess, kind of see that as important when it comes to like a, a belief system. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. Have you so, talked to any people, sorry, Ty, who would have gone through the process you but did, but were kind of convinced to stay in the church? There are people for sure. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that kind of people look at me and they're like, well, there's other smart people that can make it work. What's wrong with you? Uh, so obviously you didn't have the spirit. You were doing wrong things or mm-hmm. whatever. For me, it was like, part of it was like Occam's razor. Like what is the simplest explanation for this? Because that's probably the true one. But it was also, I wanted to take all of the evidence, and if I was completely unbiased, which I know it's impossible to be, but if I presented this to someone that had no stake in the game, what would they think is true? I didn't want to take my own preconceived notions. I wanted to be kind of a blank slate. So you were a missionary for a while. Did that ever, was that ever part of how you did things? Like, if you presented the information to somebody, how did they receive it? Did that, was it... 
convincing to them? Well, and or the that's inf- not how missionaries in the Mormon Church work. Well, and the, mis- the the information that I would present was this is what happened to Joseph Smith as taught by the church. Yeah. Now read the Book of Mormon and pray to know if it's true. And if right. you get a positive right. feeling, mm-hmm. you can know for sure right. that's God answering you. Sure. So that's the the other side is that spiritual or like emotional experience. And you mentioned earlier that you did have that. Yeah. Right. So like, how do you explain that now? Or or thinking back on that, was that? Do you still consider that a spiritual experience or was, what was that? If this one's really tough because I, this was part of my, what well, if you want to call it deconstruction, I guess, but I looked into how accurate are spiritual experiences specifically in telling you objective truth. So not, this is my truth. This is what's good for me. It's can these types of experiences tell you what is actually true? And, you know, I've heard stories of people in the Muslim faith, people in other Christian denominations, people in the FLDS or other break-off sects of the Mormons, where they do the exact same thing. Yeah. I prayed to God. God told me that what I'm doing is right. And that's how I know that the Muslim church is God's only true church. So, like, what are spiritual experiences for me at best? I think spiritual experiences can tell us what's good for us in a given time. Mm-hmm but not necessarily what's true for everyone. Yeah. It's almost like you could create conditions that will give someone an emotional experience, and then as long as you preload them. Are you describing the Bridge in a Hillsong song? Is that what you're doing right now? <laughs> right. <laughs> a little bit YC conference or whatever. Like if you, yeah, like if you preload, like if you have an emotional response, it means the Mormon faith is true. Yeah. <laughs> or like you should be a Christian or you should be, yeah. Jason, when you were going on this journey and reading and learning, um, was your, was your wife as well with you thinking about these things or was it kind of your own personal journey? Well, that's a thing. Like it was, it was just me because I was terrified to tell her. Mm. And it, for me, it happened really fast because I, I get interested in something and I like dive into it. So I've got a buddy who got me into scotch and I was like researching scotch like crazy. (laughs) And I know all the distilleries and what kind of product they're putting out and, so it was kind of like that yeah. for this, where it was like, I'm just, I'm eating this up ravenously. So it happened super fast. Okay. But yeah, my wife, she didn't know until I already decided that I didn't believe anymore. Wow. And that's why that scene in Under the Banner of Heaven was so powerful, where for me, we were laying in bed one night and having a conversation and she flat out asked, do you believe in the church anymore? And I couldn't lie to her. So I said, you know what? I'm really sorry, but I don't. And that instant, there wasn't even a second's pause. She was sobbing. She stood up. She left the room and she read her scriptures and prayed all night. She didn't come back to bed. Um, Wow. That was hard. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I continued to go to church. I continued to take my kids and... At that point, were you admitting your doubts to other people? Or was it like your wife knew and you were keeping it together? For the- Yeah, at first that's how it was. And then yeah. I, I, I talked to my wife about it first because this was a process we needed to go through together, I felt anyway. Um, I told her, you know, I, I feel like I'm not being authentic and I'm feeling really crappy because I go to church and everybody just thinks that I still believe and I felt like I was lying. And so I said, you know, I... I I got to be a little bit more open. So I wrote a letter to our close friends and family about where I was at. So that didn't go terribly. 
But one of the difficult things for me is that I asked for, hey, we need some support because this is hard. Like, this is a really tough thing to go through. And I think because it was such a difficult subject, it was just like radio silence from that point. We didn't really talk about it. We just didn't go over it. But I was still going to church and I'm still taking my kids to activities. And there was an, uh, another point kind of down the road where I was like, you know, this, this still isn't working for me. I'm not, I still feel like I'm an imposter or that I'm lying. And so with discussions with my wife, she was like, you know what? I decided I was going to write a blog. So I wanted to externalize all this stuff. I want people to understand where I'm coming from. Not to be like, oh, you're all stupid if you believe in the Mormon church. But it was more, I want you to know my reasons to kind of control the narrative. Yeah. Were you looking for people to respond and convince you? Or was it just like, I was journaling, I need to get this out? I was open to that. I mean... I think I made it pretty clear that if anybody's got answers for these really tough things, please come talk to me. But the vast, vast majority didn't have answers. Mm. They didn't. They didn't know as much as I did. And I know that sounds kind of douchey, but well, <laughs> is I they hadn't wrestled it with it to the extent you had, kind of. Yeah. How much when you were like, how much were you reading from like ex Mormons at the time? Like, was there at that time a lot? Yeah. Um, I did go. Like I said, I started with the faithful perspectives, the apologetics. And when that wasn't working, I moved to the outer, the outside sources. Sure. Yeah. And those made sense. They did, yeah. yeah. Um, more sense for sure. Yeah. And were there, were there common ground in terms of what they had doubts with and what you did? Like, was that like, oh, that's my story there. I can see myself in that. Yeah, like there's, like I said before, it's kind of like a death of a thousand cuts where there's not one issue that just completely blows it out of the water. It's more of there's so many things that add up. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about polygamy and you know there's reasons for believers to feel like god commanded that and it was useful at the time and whatever Mm -hmm. else but if you actually look into it it falls apart like the reason that black people couldn't have the priesthood until 1978 the teachings from brigham young throughout the years and as well as other people backing that up they're not making it uh well i just think this is what it is it's like essentially the closest thing to saying God told me this is how it is, is what they were saying. And yeah. now it's not anymore. So were they speaking for God? Are the new ones speaking for God? Like who is? How can I trust anybody who says they're speaking for God? Yeah. Yeah. There was another interesting situation where I talked about like the different scriptures in the Mormon religion. And one of those is something called the book of Abraham. And the way that that came about was there was a traveling, essentially traveling salesman who was selling mummies and, and, Egyptian scrolls and Joseph Smith was like oh this is really interesting because he said that he could translate by the gift and power of God so he's like I gotta have these things so he paid for them and he said oh yeah this is this is actually a record of uh, the prophet Abraham when he was in Egypt and it's telling us more information that we don't have so at that time nobody could translate Egyptian they thought it was a lost language. They'd never be able to do it. So Joseph... We didn't have the Rosetta Stone yet. Yeah, exactly. Well, they did. They had just found it, but the knowledge hadn't come to the Americas yet. It was still over in Europe. Joseph didn't know that. Oh. So he creates this story <laughs> of what is on this scroll, calls it the Book of Abraham, and is like, I've translated this. And as soon as like the mid-1800s, getting into the later 1800s, people knew, you got this wrong. So to me, it's like that would be a way for him to prove that he's a prophet if he could read something that nobody else can read and yeah. get it right. Yeah. Because there actually was a scroll? There was, yeah. Oh, okay. And, but so his interpretation is what is in question, not the yeah. artifact itself. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, like, there's, 
Mormon apologists who would come up with reasons why it's still okay, why it all works. But if you're trying to be unbiased, he just didn't, he got it all wrong. Yeah. And that was, that was like a proof for me where, you know, he was supposed to be a prophet and he got it wrong. So he probably can't be. Yeah. And there's other things like the book of Mormon itself. Lots of people in the church say, well, this is such an amazing book and he couldn't have done it this himself. And he was uneducated and, you know, I've researched enough into the Book of Mormon to see his influences and to see how this could not be God-breathed word for word. Mm-hmm. The changes that have happened, the books that he probably was influenced by. Even his initial story of the tablets, like you said, was influenced by, by what, I forget what it was called again, but the stones. Yeah, the, like the beliefs at the time. Mm-hmm. They thought that, you know, the mound builders yeah. were this advanced civilization and they... Like, you know, DNA evidence, like you were talking about earlier, is that, yeah. no, the Native Americans aren't Jews. You know, they did not come from Jerusalem. They yeah. came from, you know, like China, Mongolia, they're Asians. Does the modern LDS, they just don't acknowledge that science? They just, they just don't go there? Well, they've had to change their story, which has happened, like I've said, over and over. But yeah. the story now is that the people from the Book of Mormon landed somewhere, probably in, like, centralish America, but it was a very small area that they landed in and they didn't have much contact with anybody else. So they just lived and then they died off. And there's tons and tons of problems with that. Like they talk about how there's this great battle where 5 million people were killed, swords, breastplates, chariots, horses, and... Dig some of that up for us. Well, and I mean, 5 million people, that's like the biggest civilization in all of, of North world. and South yeah. America, like probably rivaling the Roman yeah. Empire. Yeah. yeah. So there should be something left behind, but there isn't. So you currently don't attend church? No. Mormon church. So at what point did that stop happening for your family? What, how long did it take for that decision to be made? A long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I kept going with my wife because she was still a believer. Yeah. Um, at first, she was very closed off to talking about this stuff. Because, again, you're not supposed to talk about, like, anti-Mormon material. Over time, it was like, I think she realized that I wouldn't have done this if I didn't feel really, really strongly about it. So she let me share little bits and pieces. And when she was done, she would say she's done, and I would completely drop it, walk away from it. But over time, she's like, are you sure? Like, like you're sure? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. And so she kind of slowly came along and we don't none of our family attends anymore how similar was that experience to your missionary time like are you then trying to convince your your loved ones <laughs> that you're this is the truth and that would be probably what is argued with that blog that i wrote so i wrote right now i think it's got like 28 articles written mostly in i think 2019 maybe 2018 i can't remember but i started writing and i would post them at least the link to Facebook so people could choose to click on the link to read it. So I wasn't like surprising members of the church with this crazy information, but I was writing this while I was still going. So in the beginning, it probably did feel to people like, Oh, he's just, he's one of those bitter apostates, you know, he's led away by the devil and he's trying to bring everybody down with him. And honestly, like, like if I'm being honest, I think part of in the beginning anyways, it was like going back to that idea of truth you taught as a missionary. I have the truth. I have to share it. It's my obligation to share it. And I felt kind of similar too. It's Mm -hmm. like, I feel like I have the objective truth Mm -hmm. and people should have the opportunity to, to hear it. 
Yeah. But I think more of the blog was more for me just to get it out, to have people know what I was going through and to control the narrative, at least at the time. And did the blog grow in popularity? Did yeah. it kind of get out there a little bit? It goes up and down. I mean, if I post a new one, I would put it on Facebook and it would get a spike in, in readers, but I don't advertise it. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I never monetized it. So there's no ads saying, hey, go look at this Faith Transition blog. If our listeners want to get there, that's the, what they would search? So, so the name of it is uh, Straight from the Taper's Mouth. So it's, it's kind of a play on words. So straight from the horse's mouth, mm-hmm. we all know that's like you're getting the accurate information firsthand. One of the apologetic arguments, at least in the past, was... So one of the problems with the Book of Mormon is something called anachronisms. So an anachronism is like if I said I found a... a a long-lost Shakespearean play up in my attic. And we wanted to identify if this was actually from Shakespeare, but someone in there has got a Walkman. <laughs> There's no way someone from Shakespeare's time right. knows what a Walkman is. So that's right. anachronistic, that Walkman. It okay. doesn't belong in that place. It doesn't belong in that time. So horses are one of those things. Book of Mormon talks about horses. Horses didn't come over until mm. Columbus uh, came. Uh, they all died out in the Pleistocene, I think. So there were no horses on the continent. But Joseph, there's horses everywhere. They must have been here before. So he wrote them into the Book of Mormon. Uh, One of the apologetic arguments was, well, maybe maybe there weren't horses. Maybe Joseph just didn't have a word for what the animal was. So he just called them horses. But maybe it was really a taper or a tapir. Or I don't know the the pronunciation. But if anyone knows what a taper is... They're these short, squat, little pig, hippo, elephant creatures that you cannot pull a chariot with. You cannot go into battle with. Could you ride one? You, you might be able to, but I think you have a problem domesticating them. So they might not like that too much. Oh, that's awesome. So straight from the horse's mouth, that's straight really from the taper's mouth. Yeah. That's very clever. Yeah. Yeah, you have a really like, humble and I think like, harmonious way of addressing this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't feel like... You're trying to oh, reverse mission people. <laughs> I don't know what the right word would be. Um, but like, is there part of you that wants to, and maybe you kind of answered this already, but like, what would you say to someone who's still a part of the church? Like, are you, would you have any urge to get them out? Like, or mess, yeah, even just yeah. a message or, yeah. Or info, educate them or. I, I think. The Mormon church, as well as any other church, it can be really good for people. I think, again, if you fit the mold, it fits with what you need, it's, it's making you a better person, then I don't want to take that away from you. I wouldn't offer or force information. Um, if people were interested, I would talk. But I've actually had several people come to me and say, like, hey, I'm having some doubts. Can you kind of go through this with me? And the very first thing I say every single time is, okay, we can slow this down. We don't have to go into this right now. You need to think about, like, if you want to go through this, like, could your marriage survive it if you lost faith? Uh, Would your life be worse if you didn't go to the Mormon church anymore? So for me, I don't want to pull people away, but I do think that they should have an opportunity to know that there's more information out there that we just don't know. When you were talking about partway through, I was just 
thinking of just how difficult it is maybe to lo- to leave a faith or to have something that you're so sure of that now you're not. Um, and that's, you've gone through just an incredible journey. We really appreciate you sharing what you have so far with us. Our theme is being harmonious and talking about things that are difficult to talk about in a way that is honoring to the other people um, to gain new insights. Is that something you've thought about in kind of your walk and how you continue to talk to people of the Mormon faith or of other faiths? Or maybe you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, it was definitely a journey. Um, In the beginning, I think, not that I was trying to be abrasive, but I think it came across as abrasive just because I was writing those articles and some of those were, you know, here's my specific issues with why the Mormon church can't be the one and only true church. Mm. But over time, I feel like I've gotten better at being harmonious. I don't know. I feel like where I'm at now is there's a lot that I don't know. And before when I was Mormon, I wouldn't have said that. I had the answers to everything. Mm. I know all the important Mm. answers. Now, I don't know if there's a God. I don't know what that God looks like or how that God operates. Um, I'm relatively convinced that if there is a God that they're about as non-interventionist as you can be, but that's my feeling. And I don't approach people like, well, if you, do, if you think God's interventionist, you're an idiot. Uh, it's more, okay, that I'm interested in that. Maybe we could talk about why that is and why I feel the way I do or whatever. But it's tough when someone comes out of a, a belief system, people don't want to talk about why you don't believe it anymore. They don't want to talk about what you think anymore. So a lot of ways... The way that I am harmonious is just I don't talk about this stuff very often. So when I get the opportunity to do a podcast, I kind of jump on it <laughs> because I enjoy yeah. talking about it with people. Mm-hmm. Has that changed? Like, was there a time at the beginning where you, like, I feel like there'd be some anger? Would there, would there have been some anger at the beginning? Oh, tons. And that's almost like a stereotype within the church is that the people that leave become anti-Mormon. Right. You know, they're apostates. They're just bitter they hate the church and, you know, the devil is like convincing them to fight against it where, mm. you know, it's, I, I feel it just comes back to that search for truth is I, for two years of my life and throughout my entire time in the Mormon religion, it's like we have the truth and we share it with people. So the flip is if I believe I've got the actual truth, but it's different than what I was taught, there is that propensity to want to yeah. share it. But I mean, for me, I don't feel that way anymore. I think it was a stage, like yeah. that angry phase. It was definitely there. Hmm. But now I've gotten a lot of that out, and it, I have different expectations of what to expect from people in the church and out. I can talk to people about their beliefs, and I'm pretty sure that it comes across pretty positive almost all the time, if not all the time. I'm sure it's not all the time, but I try. Yeah. But my perspective now is just, like, if it makes you happy and it works for you, I'm honestly happy for you. But... There has to be voices for those people that the church doesn't work for. They have to feel like there's others like them. You know, that representation of, oh, you know, that's kind of my story. Oh, I'm not stupid for thinking that. So, so, so today, like, how, how are you doing? Where are you at today? You've got family uh, that maybe is still part of the church, some that aren't. How, just now, how are you doing? Good. I mean, um, there were a lot of losses coming out of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that community was a huge one mm-hmm. where you have these people who you feel like are friends and then you step away. And I did it louder than most. 
but you step away and they just fall off. You don't hear from them ever again. And so there's definitely hard parts, but I'm starting to build that community up again, starting to meet new people and, Mm -hmm. and make new friendships. I can teach my kids all of the things that I feel like are important and I don't have to make excuses to them for things that I feel like I have to make an excuse for, but I don't agree with, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my wife and I were still together. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't get divorced as a result of this, <laughs> which was nice. <laughs> Is she still a believer? Um, we haven't talked specifically about her story much with others. Um, yeah. And if we're asking questions that you're not comfortable with, that's uh, just say back off. Yeah. Not, not my story to tell, yeah. but yeah. I mean, we, we don't attend church anymore. Yeah. I feel comfortable saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, and I guess maybe that's another important piece that I should talk about is for people that continue believing and, and whether it's in Mormonism or other branches of Christianity or whatever. One thing that I'm really big on is Fowler's stages of faith. So essentially it's, you start from a really concrete, I believe what my authority figure tells me to believe. I believe those uh, stories that have been passed down over time. But you move through stages where you start to doubt and you really break it down and look deeper into what you believe. And then on the other side of that, where people in the Mormon church or other churches would think, oh, you're backsliding. You know, you don't believe all the things you're supposed to. But on the other side of it, you actually have a mature faith where... I honestly feel like people in the Mormon church, I think they should dig into this stuff because I feel like the things that are taught in the manuals and over the pulpits, they're not 100% accurate. And I don't think it's fair that people don't know that Mm -hmm. and they're told not to go search deeper to find that out for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think people having a mature faith where they've really dug into it, found out what they believe, they know both sides of the argument. I think that's super important. And if you continue having faith in it, I think that's amazing. I have friends who are like that, but inevitably your faith changes. And I think that changed faith is more accurate, but also healthier. More robust for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Like you tested it and it came up. Yeah. Are there parts, are you ever like you wake up in the morning and go, you know what? There are parts I still hold on to or those things I do still believe. It's not like throwing the baby out with a bathwater. It doesn't have to be all or nothing or... Yeah, I mean, like that emphasis on family is still really big for me. You know, I want the best for my kids. I do a lot of what I do for my family. There's lots of good that's there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for those who will end up looking at my uh, blog, I've got a whole article about what is good in the Mormon faith. These are the positives that people can get out of it. Um, I also have an article about the negatives and what I think is harmful. But there's definitely good parts. The people are amazing. The community is amazing. Their organization is amazing. They have programs for youth and activities for adults that are great. Um, But for me, it kind of fell back to if it's not what it says it is, which is the one true church on the earth. Nobody else has that. Nobody else has a prophet that actually communes with God. If you're not that... And there's parts that I really think are harmful, and you're saying those parts come from God. I can't be part of this anymore. Yeah. Well, um, Dason, that was a a good conversation. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we would all say just thank you so much for sharing your story with us and being vulnerable to do that mm-hmm. over the course of a few hours. Um, I really enjoyed every every moment. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you guys agree. Yeah. Thanks, Dason. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. But we like you so much. Why don't you just stick around 
for maybe a confession or two. Ooh. That's something we want to do. He feels like this has been two hours of confession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You can do something lighter if this you choose. This whole episode has been my confession. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe stick around just so we can learn how to get in touch with you and and or just maybe follow up one day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, I think I have enough energy to do a confession yet. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, but if you think way back, like two hours ago, you heard me talk about rap music um, in the recommendations. I have a rap music related confession. And uh, if you've seen Office Space, the film, um, there's a one of my favorite scenes where someone is rapping in their vehicle. Mm-hmm. I that is me. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's basically the confession. I yeah rap full with uh hand gestures oh with your three little um, kids in the car i uh, usually by myself okay but that doesn't change the fact that everyone outside the vehicle can see me <laughs> yeah. you don't and, have to and hear windows. my music and <laughs> right. see it so nice that's that's kind of it not not too much this I time like it. But a little embarrassing that's Next embarrassing thing. this is also is horribly oh. embarrassing yeah <laughs> um you reminded me, Jason, of something that I used to do, haven't done for a long time, but that was always invite door-knocking Mormon missionaries into my house hmm. when they came by because probably inside me, I felt like I could convince them that they should no longer be Mormons. So my MO was like, if they come in and we have coffee, and well, they didn't have coffee, but mm. talk long <laughs> enough, um, something about me will be so compelling that they'll no longer believe what they believe. <laughs> So I haven't done that for a long time, but for sure that was 04, maybe five. Okay. Yeah. So Shanna would go upstairs and pretend that she wasn't home and I would. She knew what was going on. I'd visit. Yeah. Yeah. You must have some good talks though. Yeah. No, I always found it quite interesting. Yeah. And they're, they're good kids. They are always. Yeah. Respectful and polite and. They try their best. They're doing what they think is right. But I mean, they, they are a little bit insulated. Thanks, Chris. My, um, I'll change my confession at the last second. And um, we had some, uh, some cousins. My kid's cousins got a new dog, a puppy. And they introduced us to the new dog. And uh, I think I was supposed to be happy for them. <laughs> I think I was supposed to be, like, welcoming a new member of the family. Mm. But I was more just, like, I don't want to get a pet. Well, yeah, too late and now. My, your kids and are And my it. kids want to. So right. my, my whole, it was very selfish. My, my reaction, I tried to be like, oh, cool. It's a dog, <laughs> and like, it is a cute dog. It, thanks, and, and jerks. Beautiful dog, actually. But I, <laughs> but my my the core of myself was just like, oh come on, like no, I got to do this trap. too. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway. when are you guys getting a dog? Uh, a couple days. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. Labradoodle on the way, or a cat. I don't know. But anyway, it's gonna happen eventually. I just don't want it to happen right away. Thanks a lot. Wonderful, beautiful family. Jason, do you have a confession for us? I do, actually. And this has been on my chest for a long time, so I hope you'll give me the time to get it all out. But We have lots of time left. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say that this entire time I've been saying that the reason that I left the church is because I was searching for truth. And mm-hmm. I have to confess that I just wanted to drink alcohol. <laughs> I really, really wanted to find out what coffee tasted like <laughs> and uh, all the drugs and sex that I couldn't have before. That was, that's the real reason. So. We shouldn't be laughing. This is very serious. <laughs> very Has it been worth it? 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And just to clarify, does that just show up as soon as you, <laughs> like, oh, knock, yeah. knock, here's the drugs and sex that you were waiting for? Hey, <laughs> we easily, heard you're out of the church. Yep. Yeah. Surprisingly easy how you how it just kind of knocks on your door when you make that decision. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I guess the whole thing has been a lie, but it's been worth it still, I think, overall. <laughs> um, listeners, if you are as enthralled as I have been with this conversation, um, you and you want to maybe follow up with a question or something, clarification, or even just a message back to Jason, you could get a hold of us, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we will relay that via... Yeah, Gmail is a great way, because then it's in writing, sort of. So, harmoniousgentleman at gmail.com. Yeah. yeah. We also have Instagram. I don't know if that's the most appropriate place to ask questions about the Mormon faith, but yeah. well, maybe. you could send us a direct message, yeah. or like our posts. We mm-hmm. appreciate that, too. Yeah. Yeah. We could. This is one we could certainly do a follow up if Jason, if, if you're up for a, a few more hours of this. Yeah. <laughs> I live for this stuff. Yeah. Nice. They paid for my beer. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Well, not yet. <laughs> and uh, also, quick uh, shout out to listener Kenton who hooked this whole thing up. He's one of our most um, you know reliable listeners. Wonderful guy. So Kenton, thank you for this. Are you yeah. SoundCloud user zero five three six nine five seven? Oh, because they have the most listens on our podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were kind the of numbers might in, not be right, but something like that. We were delving into our data the other day, and like, there's people all over the world uh-huh. listening to the podcast via VPNs, I'm assuming. Shout out to the Isle of Man. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening from the Isle of Man, thank you. Um, Jason, any, anything else you want people to know? You mentioned your blog earlier. Want to remind them what that's called again? Yeah, I can shamelessly plug that thing one yeah, more time. Do it. Um, so yeah, just uh, www.straightfromthetapersmouth.com. Um, there's 28 articles kind of delineating the whole process. So if you're, if you're enthralled by the story so far, you can definitely go look at that. If you feel like it, you can leave uh, a comment right on the blog there. I can respond to that, or you can get a hold of these harmonious gentlemen. Mm-hmm. So do that. Yeah. All Looking right, forward guys. to continuing the discussion. I think it's about time to hit the old dusty trail. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This has been awesome. <laughs> Thank you again to Angry Bear Growlers yeah. and yeah. the place next door we got food from it is a <laughs> vietnamese restaurant on the harmonious channel <laughs> <laughs> thanks everyone thank you harmonious gentlemen